Welcome to another Bite Side podcast. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about tech and games and digital culture. And we're going to spend a lot of time on the culture end of that spectrum this week. But joining me this week, uh, it's just me and the fabulous Chris Button. Chris, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Even better now that I've been described as fabulous. That's that's quite nice. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, look, we are going to test out something this week and we'll see if it works or not. I mean, even just by saying this out loud, it's like, who knows, maybe no one shows up, in which case I'll cut this bit out. Um, but we are going to spend some time talking about Division this week. Now that the series is complete, we're going to think about the whole sort of binging versus weekly scenario, uh, what this sort of Marvel TV universe feels like, do we have any gripes, uh, and also you know, what maybe made this uh, special uh, because it definitely captured a lot of people's attention uh, as the thing went on. So we're going to talk about all those kinds of things, but first we're going to kick things off with a good fistful of this week's headlines. Microsoft Exchange Server hack took place. Uh, Tens of thousands of US companies have been impacted. Uh, The full fallout is well and truly yet to be known, Uh, potentially considered hundreds of thousands of organizations around the world may be hit. Uh, Microsoft did release a patch, but as more information has come out, apparently some of these flaws have been around for as much as 10 years, uh, and Microsoft originally found out back in January before releasing this patch in March. Freaky, tricky stuff. Um, Apparently, the attack all kind of really hit at the end of February, um, and that's when sort of experts started to notice um, some pretty sort of tricky stuff. And essentially, some of the experts have been saying, if you are a company that uses Microsoft Exchange Server, um, you should basically consider yourself compromised and start dealing with how you uh, mitigate the situation. Uh, alongside that, we have the whole non-fungible tokens craze took off over the last uh, week or so. Um, it really just kind of blew up out of almost nowhere, um, but it blew, blew up it did we saw everyone from Grimes to the Kings of Leon sort of getting involved? Um, and yeah, it's it's now just suddenly becoming a thing that artists and even tweets are doing, where they're throwing themselves on the non fungible token pile of hoping to get some money for the fact that you will own the one true digital version of something, even though there are many other digital versions of the same things available across the internet. Um, I might just kind of break the headlines there for a moment, Chris, because I know you spent a lot of time trying to wrap your head around all things fungible uh, last week. (laughs) Yeah, that I did. That I did. Um, All I know is that after trying to wrap my head around the whole concept last week, like I'm, I'm no cryptocurrency or blockchain expert. I know enough to get by. I do know now that I never want to see the acronym NFT ever again. It's just a really bizarre concept. And, I mean, it's it's fascinating hearing some of the use cases like the, the Kings of Leon story last week. Um, I was about to say last year, but, <laughs> I mean, with, with how the last, you know, 2020 and 2020, 2021 is progressing, it sort of feels like yeah. a year. But... The, the use case is interesting um, with the whole, you know, the NFT acting as sort of a, a digital certificate of authenticity of you owning the original or you being the, the owner of a particular digital piece of art or whatever the, the digital artifact may be. In the Kings of Leon case, one of the NFTs is a golden ticket of sorts, which gets you front row tickets to all their shows, which I think it's quite trendy to dunk on Kings of Leon online. I'll admit I'm not a fan of them myself, but I'm sure there's a market out there for someone who would love to have front row seats at Kings of Leon for life. But the the other interesting application is that there may be some non-scalping uh, potential uses in the future, which is is interesting because you know a way of digitally uh, authenticating you know, whether a ticket is legitimate or not, and also being able to set a maximum ticket price resale value, which would cripple scalpers at the knees. Which for a lot of people, that's 
great because that means affordable tickets or you know people will be less likely to try and scalp tickets buying up on mass and selling them at a stupid profit but yeah. of course um there's the environmental concerns a lot of the blockchain and crypto stuff uses so much energy so it sounds like an interesting solution to scalping but at what cost yeah, and look, I mean, the other thing that always hits me is it's one thing for this first flurry of excitement to to take place, but let's say you're trying to res- you buy that golden ticket to Kings of Leon, and then you try to resell it, and then someone's like, "Oh, what? Hang on, I have to log into this thing, and I have to pay it in what currency exactly?" Um, I I can imagine, yeah, that yeah, there's a very careful market of people who are both fans of Kings of Leon and know how to work with the Ethereum blockchain in order to pay um, X number of coins or, yeah, like it's, yeah, that stuff's a mess. Anyway, let's run down the rest of these headlines. Uh, Apple Watch ECG has been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, which means that will now switch on soon. It's actually been around for about three years across the different models uh, recently. It's expected once it get switched on in whatever the next update might be, that that will switch on across Apple Watch Series 4, 5, and 6. So even if you've got an old one, you should still get the feature. We've also had uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, in recent days has been saying he's going to, he thinks we'll be teleporting to augmented reality and virtual reality meetings within the coming decade. Um, I'm I'm still wondering how crazy uncanny valley that's going to feel um even when they think the graphics are good because once you're in vr again i'd i'd rather have avatars where i know it's fake rather than staring at things that are pretending to be real even though your eyes just know that it's not that that sounds like it's going to be a lot further away than he thinks but finally microsoft uh, yesterday, it went official that, oh no, I think it's technically today, uh, that the acquisition of Zenimax is now official. All things Elder Scrolls, all things Doom, all things Fallout um, are belong to Microsoft now. And um, obviously now we'll start to learn, are they or are they not going to start playing exclusive um, with any of the extra uh, games and content that we might uh, want thrown at our consoles? Chris, do you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, one of the interesting things is that the first upcoming Bethesda release under this arrangement will be Deathloop, which we've spoken about before and spoken about our excitement. But at the moment, it's a console exclusive to the PlayStation 5 uh, and it can be purchased or it will be available on PC as well, but there's no word on when it will become available on the Xbox family of consoles. So you'd imagine, especially considering Microsoft own the whole shebang now, they would uh, announce something, but perhaps that will come closer to release or just following the PS5 release to sort of... I, I imagine when they signed the contract, they were considerate of the fact that, okay, there's already an exclusivity uh, in place, uh, perhaps they're happy to honour that and then future things they'll get first preference. But I think some of the early wording when this was first announced late last year that Microsoft would be acquiring Zenimax and all things Bethesda and all their studios was that um, it sounded like they'd be playing pretty nice with other publishers and developers or rather yeah. other platforms saying that, yeah, yeah, we'll keep uh, all the stuff available for PlayStation. You won't need to worry about playing stuff on Xbox. But I think there has been some wording come out more recently suggesting that some future titles will likely be Xbox and PC as opposed to Xbox, PC and PlayStation and or Nintendo, whatever Nintendo is capable of playing at that particular time. But uh, that would be interesting because you would imagine what sort of a system seller Elder Scrolls Six would be if it was just on the Xbox family of consoles. Yes, it would still be available to those on PC, but uh, I imagine there'd be some pretty uh, unhappy Sony owners out there if, if that ended up being the case. Yeah, and look, you know, I've always felt like Microsoft has plenty to win by letting it be everywhere, but then also going, oh, yeah, and this is going to be free on Game Pass. Uh, but feel free to go and spend $100 on it over on PlayStation if that's your choice. Yeah, so yes. yeah, they've been so Game Pass 
focused uh, that I can completely see them, you know, getting some huge advantage there by just pointing out that it wouldn't take all that many Bethesda games for it to have been the cost of a PlayStation if they're all for free as part of your uh, Game Pass subscription. Uh, also, you know, I can't help but think that maybe, maybe like a week before Deathloop comes out, you know, we might get sort of the the official, and here's how you stream your uh, your PC Xbox games to your Xbox uh, in order to play them right there on your console from your PC or by the cloud PC streaming service that we now have that runs straight back to your console. So, oh, look at that. You're playing Deathloop on day one, uh, even though it's technically still exclusive to the PlayStation on console. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be some solution no doubt yeah and look it's a good break point anyway because now we are going to get into our topic du jour uh which is all things wandavision uh and as part of that we're going to bring people in shortly if you have thoughts to share um then please yeah hit that uh, hand i see fid uh in the in the gang there is ready to go but i thought let's start with our own quick thoughts ourselves um I watched it week to week. Chris came in late and kind of binged the first eight episodes, was it? And then you were kind of in line for the final episode. Is that right? Pretty well. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Yeah, cool. So, look, I personally loved the show. I think it absolutely peaked mid-season. You know, that's when we all went completely through the roof for what was going on and, um, you know, the the desire to <laughs> jump onto forums and have spoiler discussions um, was massive. Um, I, you know, I feel like it, look, trailed is too strong a word, but it, it sort of, it, it, the strength of the show was in the, the, thick of that season as the secrets started to be revealed and, you know, all the kind of anticipation of what the hell is going on here started to sort of be turned into, you know, discovering all these kind of cool extra things that we weren't expecting. Um, So I got a lot out of having that week of speculation time in between each episode and I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that that was the approach that Disney took. Obviously, Mandalorian had the same weekly structure. It suits them very nicely to keep us going on the weekly system because it does mean that that will overlap into multiple months and therefore keep our subscription going if that was the only reason we were turning up. Um, But from your perspective, what was it like both, I guess, seeing people being careful around you to not spoil things and then to sort of run it all through quite rapidly over the course of a couple of days. Yeah, as someone who did binge it over the course of a couple of days in the lead up to the finale uh, going to air, I I did find much easier to avoid spoilers than, say, during the, the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, so to speak. Uh, so, uh Big thanks and commendations to all of the lovely considerate people online who <laughs> just kept things pretty vague with their memory and all of that online. So uh, I did appreciate that. But I also did still appreciate the episodic structure uh, and how it's, you know, sort of bookended these little narratives, especially, as you say, the first half of the season up to about sort of episode six where there was a lot of the, the sitcom references and the, that structure and focusing a lot on sort of these micro-conflicts between characters and trying to where a lot of it was between, you know, Wanda and Vision trying not to out themselves as superheroes in this idyllic neighbourhood and where, of course, there was the the simmering mystery all throughout about the the sword agents trying to figure out, okay, what's this anomaly going on? What's going on here? But I, what I really, really enjoyed about WandaVision was this focus on the micro-conflicts throughout, which is something that the MCU has struggled with uh, because it does focus on the big-scale stuff a lot of the time. So it was really nice to slow things down and focus on developing just a small handful of characters. And it made you care about what was happening to these characters and the, the conflicts that they found themselves in, that by the time it did sort of turn into the big Marvel conclusion that 
you still had some level of investment in what was going on, even if you weren't there for the the big action sequences. So yeah, I, I did really enjoy it as a whole. And I'm currently towards the back end of drafting an article that'll go up on Byteside later today, uh, which does deal with a lot of those thoughts in greater detail. Uh, it's funny because even even while we're talking about it, I like keep mentally tr- avoiding spoiling things. But I'm like, look, I think if you're still listening, um, then and you haven't watched it, then you should probably stop now because we're just going to start talking about everything yeah. to do with what we've loved about this show and the cool moves that it made, especially as we start to bring in a couple of people for a chat. Um, I loved the fact that, you know, one of the cool unexpected things was that whole sort of swords arrival into the MCU in this sort of sense. You know, this is sort of the, the you know, post-shield kind of era of, you know, new government agencies involved with everything that's going on. And then to have, um, you know, Jimmy and Darcy and Monica, these sort of, you know, other characters, particularly Darcy and Jimmy having been sort of sidekick-type characters in a couple of the movies, um, giving them interesting, new, prominent, fun stuff to kind of explore and letting their characters really sort of start to, you know, shine in new ways was like, please put these people together into some kind of, you know, next era um, Agents of Sword type show or something like that. And, you know, Monica getting like cool superpowers um, after, you know, coming back from the the snapping. Um so many sort of cool bits and pieces in there that I think also does give us give us kind of cool opportunities to have new TV opportunities in future as well as new movie angles to explore. Um, obviously, everything is now so set up for all this kind of weird forward-looking stuff, though, you know, like when it comes to all these multiverse-type questions that are going to come up in Doctor Strange. Um, but also I think in some ways it didn't explode outwards at the end of the show in some of the ways that, you know, a lot of the predictions and discussions were thinking. Um, and so I think that's kind of one of those areas that makes it, um, you know, for me it was, again, I keep, in my brain I keep thinking I was disappointed with the ending, but I think it's more the idea that it it didn't quite live up to where our brains were thinking it might have ended up going, um, especially with sort of multiverse discussions around her brother coming in from, you know, from the X-Men universe uh, cast of characters as opposed to her MCU brother who was dead. And instead that was just like the most epic troll, I think, that they could have possibly thrown at us by saying, actually, he's just this other guy from the town. What were you thinking? I mean, just because it's the same actor who played him, it was like, screw you guys, that was actually kind of unfair. That's my feeling about that one. But look, I might, do you have any other quick first thoughts or will I start bringing people in? I'm keen to hear from other people. Bring them on. All right, Groovy. Now, I know uh, Fid is listening and uh, he is one of the guys who runs Go to Game. He also set up during the season a WandaVision spoiler discussion group. So I'm going to invite him into the chat right now because um, I'm sure he has some Groovy thoughts to share. I've sent him an invite. This is the first time we've used spaces for this kind of chat. So hopefully, Fid, is that you? Hey, hey, how you going, buddy? Really good. How are you? And look, I don't know if you've been hearing kind of what we've just been talking about there, but where do you land in sort of now that we're at the end of that WandaVision series and your thoughts on, uh, you know, what the experience has been? i tell you what, mate, uh, my honest uh, thoughts on this has been, this has been Marvel's uh, first real uh, sort of, programming like okay firstly it's their first attempt at programming on a weekly basis which i just think is amazing first time in a long time where i've had genuine appointment viewing um i mean apart from the mandalorian uh but this one here for some reason maybe it's just become a bigger marvel nerd than i am a star wars nerd and i'm a hell of a star wars nerd (laughs) um but this was like i literally had a heated discussion with my wife last week because she made a uh, plan for us to go and do something on the Friday night. And I was like, hey, <laughs> Oh no, so not marriage is going to continue after this. Um, but there, there's that, right. Yeah. But, uh, looking a bit deeper into it, it uh, I think this is the first time where they've really leaned into the way Marvel fans operate. Um, like 
they were making nods to um, things that we knew about sort of behind the scenes with the whole Pietro thing. Um, they were throwing so many breadcrumbs out there for us to look into and look way too deep into as well. And they knew we were going to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and it was awesome being taken on that journey. Like I, I have seen a few people being sort of upset that it uh, didn't end up, like some people have compared it to uh, Lost, that finale, right? And I think, no, I don't think you can compare this to Lost because they, you didn't get the big finale where everything was wound up. Um, yeah. In my opinion, I think, you know, this here is all leading into bigger things. Like, uh, you know, you've got the whole situation with Wanda where at the end it's very clearly giving us a lead into um, Doctor Strange. Uh, you've got everything that went on with Monica in that final series, which is very clearly leading on to... Um, uh, Captain Marvel 2 in my opinion mm. and they've just dropped so many hints and breadcrumbs for us to follow into the future movies or future te- uh, you know, seasons of um, programming yeah and look I think that's there's a really good point there about the comic book structure right because of course the movies aren't structured in the way that we experience the actual comic books that sort of this no, not. yeah this weekly feed is Totally that perfect way of, you know, little kind of short moments captured with excitement, with, a, you know, with sort of clever flourishes, as you say, with little kind of seeds of things. And we're not sure if they're going to pick up specific seeds. By the way, totally appreciate your use of the word flourish there. <laughs> <laughs> but look, yeah, I think they've just done such a good job with this whole thing. And, right, even the whole kind of, you know, the, the decade by decade structure of kind of you know her brain going to weird places, but also that that kind of gave them so many ways to play with our experience of that show, as well as the callbacks to kind of other things, uh, you know, that might have previously been part of that experience too. Oh, totally, exactly, and look, and I love the way that they did uh, call back to uh, you know the snapping and uh, all that sort of thing. We got to see post snap from a different sort of uh, yeah. we never got to see that in um, sort of Spider-Man where they showed people coming back but they didn't really show the experience of what those people went through when they came back yeah exactly and yeah such a good point seeing that hospital moment was just fascinating it was, it was amazing yeah and yeah and for her to just oh I think I just woke up right you know it's like <laughs> that pure confusion moment for normal people rather than, you know, for superheroes like, you know, Falcon who, you know, at the end of Endgame is just like, oh, I got a job to do, so I'm just going to be ready moments later to, to dive in and help. <laughs> oh, exactly. And, I mean, um, as you guys were alluding to earlier, I, I was running a Discord uh, where we were talking about the show after each uh, episode and um, uh, Seamus can attest to this where, um, you know, the theories that were getting thrown around and it was, Awesome actually seeing that some of these theories um, didn't end up being what we thought. Like we were all expecting a big bad to come at the end. And I love that they trolled us and yeah. that didn't happen. Like the big bad was Wanda. And, um, uh, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Agatha was just there doing her own thing. It wasn't as such, like she didn't really have anything to do with it happening, you know? Yeah, uh, that she was just trying to work out how is Wanda doing yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you've, you've got all these powers, but you don't know how to use them. You don't know how you're doing it. Like, how? Um, and also, look, and uh, I'm, I know I'm jumping from topic to topic here, but, you know, at the um, uh, end of uh, the, um, not the last episode, but the uh, episode before, you know, finally giving us uh Wanda's name of the Scarlet Witch, which you know, earlier on in the season they had a bit of a joke about it. Uh, that you know, does she have uh, a funny nickname or anything? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've never we've never seen them reference her as the Scarlet Witch previously, and now they've sort of made the Scarlet Witch a thing. Which you know, in the comic books, there isn't a thing. You know, it's just her name. Yeah, absolutely. Look, oh, man, yeah, the, and that's it. The, the layers and layers of what they sort of did there really is quite remarkable. Even the way that right at that moment when we're all thinking, you know, Agnes is totally going to turn out to be, you know, Agatha or something like that, that yeah. 
we got that moment with Vision where, you know, she basically pulls the, you know, the double bluff on us and pretends that, you know, that, you know, that thing of Vision being able to tap someone's head and wake them up. And so she's played that out. And you're thinking, well, hang on, like Vision does that thing. So that must mean we've somehow, you know, we've been confused. And then you're like, no, wait, no, she knows she's playing the game too. Um and just great little things like that to try to say, we know you are you think you're onto this scent, so we're going to try to throw you off it again and just confuse you a little bit more before you then get that final moment. Yeah, I, I think I only then after that felt really confirmed when, you know, when she takes that moment where she leads Wanda away from Monica, you know, when Monica's kind of coming. Yeah. And, you, and that's when you're like, mm, no, no, she's not just, yeah. <laughs> and that was great. Yeah, and look, and talking about um, uh, vision as well, like that vision battle at the end, um, I think we were all sort of expecting that to be a massive battle, but of course it wasn't because this is exactly the same thing vision did during the um, uh, the, the battle in um, the, the, the Avengers. You know, he, yeah, stopped, yeah. He, he stopped and had a conversation, and of course he's one of the smartest um, beings in the MCU, so yeah. of course he won that battle by, um, you know, talking it out. And it was actually funny because my son, I was talking to him last night, uh, uh, he's uh, in managed isolation in New Zealand at the moment. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot to do. And he watched all the MCU, um, oh, I mean, all of WandaVision. And his comment about the um, uh, the battle of the visions was quite an insightful one. Maybe he's just got a lot too, uh, too much time to think about things <laughs> at the moment. Um, his response to me was, he goes, oh, that was a really good analogy for how war is and could be. You know, all it took was them to have a conversation to stop. And I was like, oh, shit, that's deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is nice. Jeez. Right? If only we would just stop and yeah. talk a little more. Yeah, jeez. And look, and, the, and they did the whole analogy thing beautifully throughout the entire thing, like watching throughout the entire series, watching Wanda's descent into madness. Um, which of course that's what happened to her. You know, she's seen nothing but loss, um, and throughout the, her entire time in the MCU, like she has not had a good time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's funny, right? Again, at the time, I felt like you know the second last episode because it was sort of the massive exposition episode of walking back through her history with Agatha, mm. searching for answers. Um, you know, I was kind of at the time disappointed but just because it was the second last episode and I kind of wished there was a bit more, you know, sort of forward momentum, not just the sort of now we'll circle backwards before we mm. hit the finale. But as an episode, I kind of completely loved it because it was it was kind of going back to some of those old moments that, you know, we'd never really seen and it tied in the whole idea of, you know, her love of old sitcoms and like played with that idea to kind of flesh out that sense of personality and, you know, her growing up and then everything being turned upside down through that process of growing yeah, up. Yeah, and, and the other thing I loved about it as well was um, uh, it sort of positioned Agatha in an interesting light where we sort of, where we did see that she wasn't, purely there to take her down it positioned her yeah. she almost she almost took a therapist role in it you know okay let's um let's unwrap everything here and see how we ended up where we are right now and um like yes she's not a good person but i don't think she is completely the bad guy either like she literally says she wants to sort of take those powers away from her because she's dangerous but yeah. i don't think is going to use those powers for good either, but um, you know she did say, you know, this is you're far too powerful. Bad things are going to happen, and I think you know bad things are going to happen. And that's what we're going to see in um, Doctor Strange, personally. Yeah, and look again with the comic book nerd hat on as well. It's like we know that Agatha has had a relationship with Wanda over the years that is more maternal at different times, yeah. and and is supportive. So you know they they're leaving that door open through the way that the conflict played out for the fact that it's like that actually she could use a mentor to understand what her powers even are and what they mean and how they can be used, you know, the way that at the end of their fight where she's kind of thrown up the, you know, the hex symbols, um, you know, sort of the 
the wards to to stop her from it's like and you know it's like thanks for that and it's there is that moment where it's like oh i have learned something from you as well so in future they could easily come back to that idea that actually agatha has something to offer and not you know we can have that flux in whether someone is currently you know on the right side or the wrong side at, at any given yeah, moment. yeah exactly right it adds some complication and layers to her as a character and and think this is saying that the MCU has done better than DC. Like they give these characters time to build these layers. And even in the movies, like they've done the same thing. Uh, whereas, and I don't want to be a Marvel versus DC guy because I have love for DC as well, but I personally think Marvel have done a way better job of than DC at doing this in the films because they've allowed these things to happen over time. And whereas I think, DC um, have forced these characters out so fast. We haven't had a chance to see the multiple layers of these characters and see that they are more complicated than angry bad guy and, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's a great point too that, you know, as I know, like, you know, Alice on yeah, Alice Clark, she's a huge fan of the DC TV shows. Um, more so, you know, over and above the the movies, and it's precisely that. And I think they've done so much more to explore those characters through the TV shows than than the way that they've tried to kind of push out the movies. And I do always think back to, you know, just how much credit Marvel deserves for the risks that they took. You know, now more than ten years ago, when you know they'd already licensed out all their biggest stuff. You know, Spider Man was licensed, X Men were licensed. And the movies were always kind of okay and then sequels weren't great and all that kind of thing and they finally went, screw it, we're going to start making our own movies and we're going to back ourselves to tell the stories the way we think they should be told. And, you know... It's like, it up to a point where they could go back to Sony and say, hey, we want Spider-Man yeah. back and we work with you, you know? Yeah, and you will make like, more money if you let him be part of this universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And, I mean, look, and this is opening up another conversation probably for another day. Uh, about you know how do we start including um, the the Venom universe into this now that um, there's some sort of agreement that we haven't seen unfold yet? Yeah, yeah, so many opportunities here, and you're right, man. Like the you know, I think for me, the strength of what we saw in this show was definitely that you know that there's nothing lesser about the way they've approached making a TV show, that every part of this felt like, you know, a small MCU experience once a week, you know, there was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no shortcuts. And, that, and the funny thing is, is it was actually going to be longer. Um, they, uh, I don't know if... Uh, I'd highly suggest that one of my favourite podcasts is Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith. And uh, they had one of the producers on the show this weekend, just gone, and he said he goes, it was supposed to be a 10th episode. There was an entire storyline there of what they were going to be doing with uh, Senor Scratchy and all that sort of thing that yeah. they had to cut. <laughs> yeah, um, I, so I read a little bit about that, but you're right. W- worth listening to. I've, I've got to make sure I catch up on, on that episode. Awesome. Look, Fid, thank you so much for dropping by. Super appreciate it. I knew you'd have some gold to throw our way and it was nice to be able to make it easy to try this just by whacking open a uh, a space on Twitter and hopefully that was – how did that work from your end? Was it easy to just hit the button oh, and mate, start easy, talking? Easy, easy. Yeah, and look, if you guys want to talk MCU again, I'm definitely happy to jump on nerd out with you guys. I always love an opportunity to – talk about conspiracies on these shows and where it's going and yeah that's awesome and that's it it's great to you know even we don't have long to wait before we get to dive into some uh, you know falcon and winter soldier as well and with a completely different vibe at it you know that's uh, yeah and we and look it's another situation we're coming into wandavision we didn't really have any idea where it was heading and with um same with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We don't really know where that storyline is going to be going. And then, what, a few months, a couple of months later, we uh, get to dive into Loki as well. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And and also, it was recently leaked, it looks like um, Black Widow is going to be coming direct to uh, Disney Plus as well. So it's a good year. Yeah. That, uh, yeah I hadn't seen that one yet. So that is huge. Um, and that'll be uh, you know, a nice one as well for that whole feeling of here in Australia where that feeling of going, I could go to the cinema and see Black Widow. I'm feeling more and more confident in, you know, in being able to do that. Um, 
but then seeing how those stats roll out, if it's available in both places, will be very interesting for the entire industry for sure. Oh, no, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, this, this week, no, next week uh, was the first time we're really going to see this experiment of cinema and um, uh, streaming platform rollout with uh, Justice League next week. So it's going to be interesting yes. to see how Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Fid, and I'm sure we'll catch you again real soon. Groovy. Chris, any other thoughts from you on all these things or some of what uh, Fid was just throwing at us there? I tell you what, I was just very happy to be a fly on the wall for that conversation, hearing two Marvel nerds just duke it out there with all sorts of (laughs) thoughts and theories and observations because one, one of the big things is that I'm not terribly well-versed in the Marvel comics as such or a lot of the animated series back in the day. So the MCU has been the bulk of my Marvel exposure beyond playing a bunch of the Spider-Man video games back in the day, which there's some pretty good Spider-Man games out there. But yes. it's it's interesting approaching WandaVision because you know I wasn't familiar with the character of Agatha Harkness or... Um, I knew that Wanda Maximoff was, you know, the Scarlet Witch without saying she was the Scarlet Witch until it was actually sort of formalised in WandaVision. But seeing a lot of these revelations or seeing a lot of these events play out in the likes of WandaVision and the wider MCU at large, for me, it's a very fresh perspective. So you bet after seeing, especially with a lot of the post-credit sequences in the MCU over the years, you bet I've had to go online and see, oh, hang on, what, what does this artifact mean? Or what, what's this character? Who who are they? Or what, what significance do they have? So listening to you and Fid talk at length about that was really, really fascinating. And I think it also shows that the MCU does have a lot to offer for people who are fans of Marvel dating way back and through the comics and all the other mediums that have come out over the years. But the MCU is largely accessible for those who have just had that exposure to the MCU. So I think that's that's pretty cool. And I, I did find it interesting when you and Fid were talking about how Marvel has succeeded over DC in a lot of areas, particularly in the character development stakes. One one of the interesting things, and this is something that I am exploring in, in the article I'm drafting, is that Marvel fatigue has become a bit of a thing. MCU fatigue has become a bit of a thing because prior to 2020, prior to the pandemic, we were getting... Oh, roughly three movies a year in a calendar year in the cinemas and you know beyond getting some of the peripheral stuff as well like agents of shield and jessica jones daredevil that sort of stuff um but i think one of the things perhaps for those like me whose main exposure is through mcu as opposed to a lot of the extended lore in comic books and the like is that to get a full understanding of a character or the plot and that sort of thing, you would you've got to invest in in the the long haul and you've got to invest in the multiple movies and and that sort of thing, which yeah. is like you know investing in a comic book series. You're not going to get the whole uh, story just by reading one comic book. You've got to read the entire arc to understand what's going on. Oh my god! And in the comics, the number of times you get there'll be a little asterisk, you know, on a page because some reference has been made, and they'll literally just point out which other comic you need to go and read if you want to understand <laughs> the reference. And like it can happen multiple times an issue, and and if you've been slightly out of the loop, you're like, oh god, I've got some catching up to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like signing up for a, a uni or a TAFE course. You've got background <laughs> reading uh, yes. and required learning, assumed knowledge to to be able to understand the thing. So th- that's that's one of the things that I have found you know, a little bit tiresome over the years with the MCU. And one thing I did appreciate about WandaVision for the first six or seven episodes was that it was just focusing on developing these characters in a standalone series, which didn't yeah. necessarily re- require you to cross-reference with another movie. There, there were cross-references, absolutely, but it felt like there was less of a requirement to do so with WandaVision. But then, of course, 
as being a part of the larger MCU machinations, it does then have to feed into, okay, what's got, what's happening next? So that's where, yeah, the, the last couple of episodes were very much about establishing, okay, here's, here's some of the important things that are happening to be able to develop the next stage of the storytelling, which, yeah, I, I think because I was so invested in the groundwork that the, the first half or perhaps the first two thirds of WandaVision had set up that when it did do that in the, the latter episodes, I, I had more time and more patience for it because I had the investment. Yeah. And look, uh, you know, I actually know some people who would really keen to chat about WandaVision, you know, there were just some friends who were over for a coffee one day and just talk about TV shows and stuff. And then I re- they actually said they have never watched any of the MCU movies. Yeah. But they were really enjoying this show. And, you know, th- if they had a gripe, it was, you know, that they were like, well, yeah, kind of it clearly introduced a character and and they used the kind of sitcom like crowd cheer to reference the fact that everybody should know who they are, but we didn't know who it was. And I mean, that was literally the moment with Peter, you know, being at the door. And it was just fascinating to just even just that fundamental idea that they were thoroughly enjoying this series, regardless of never having watched any of the rest of the MCU stuff. Um, they were ready to just go for the ride. And in some ways for them, it was like, oh, just, you know, slightly more explanation would have actually been even more helpful, which, yeah, was just fascinating to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's fascinating to hear from a lot of those different perspectives of people who have or haven't invested in the MCU or a lot of the, the wider uh, Marvel universes up to that point. Um, I think we do actually have someone else in spaces who we can talk to if we've got a little bit of time to. Um, I think uh, I think M might be sitting in there. All right, let's hit her. Let's see if if M has something to share. Now that I know, there's a little slight blip noise when it says the person has Emily. I was like, I don't know if I did that right. I had to press the little microphone button. Hi. That's okay. Good to hear from you. You've been listening to us nerd out on all things. MCU and WandaVision and comparisons to DCU. I know you're more of a, uh, you know, a DC Harley Quinn type um, Uber fan. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this whole discussion so far? I've absolutely been enjoying what you guys had to say. <laughs> um, I think as well, it's been nice hearing from Chris because um, he said that thing about Marvel fatigue and how it can feel quite like overwhelming to know like the laws and the arcs and everything. And I remember I was, I think I was telling you in one of our Zoom calls, like how I made a list of all the important Marvel movies to to Mm. someone and then ended up like highlighting every single one because I was like, well, you have to know this to get this. But it's it's nice, I think, especially in the later phases of the MCU that they're implementing a lot of movies that you can watch just as like standalone movies rather than needing to like – watch every single movie in the franchise because I think like stuff like Ant-Man you could probably watch as its own movie without needing to know the rest of the background and stuff and it's nice that it's got that it's like accessible for more new fans to come in without having to feel like they need to do a bunch of research on all these things but yeah it is it is very cool to have you know while all, the, all of these movies still tie into one another. There are certainly those that stand out as more uh, individual watches and especially a lot of the, the origin films such as Introducing Ant-Man and the, the Black Panther film that we got was a, a wonderful standalone uh, film that also provided a lot of context around, you know, one of the most valuable materials in the MCU. Uh, you know, and mm. what is it? Uh, it's the material that comprises um, Captain America's shield, isn't it? Vibranium. Vibranium. Yes, that's, that's the one. Yes, yeah. So you see, this is the uh, the extent of my uh, my Marvel knowledge. Uh, experiencing <laughs> a lot of this on a, on a very surface level, but it's still good fun. Um, M, what what did you think of WandaVision? Were there any particular moments that stood out for you or any broader observations? Honestly, I loved it. I think the fact that it was so – it was a bit more quiet and it wasn't like this big Marvel epic that I think people were expecting to have in the finale. Like we still got to have the Wanda-Agatha fight moment and everything, but 
I think so much of the strength of the show was in its nuance and in those smaller moments and like because of what Fid had said earlier about like all of these characters being slowly introduced to us there was so much room for them to be able to explore that relationship and those moments and like let the viewer kind of fall in love with those like smaller more gentle kind of scenes rather than the big epic of the MCU so I thought it was it was a nice little pocket of the universe that was nice to just like escape into for a few weeks and I am really sad that it's over but excited for the future like I'm pumped for Falcon and Winter Soldier so hopefully that'll tie in somehow. Yeah, I, I find that, um, I love that phrasing, little little pocket of the MCU to escape into. That's, that's quite lovely. Um, and mm. uh, you, you did mention about, you know, falling in love with these characters being slowly developed and introduced. Um, I think you were among the many of us who was crushing hard on Elizabeth Olsen in particular, a, oh my God. Uh, an outfit of, outfit of hers. <laughs> there, there was one outfit of hers in, in WandaVision that you quite enjoyed. The Halloween outfit. Cause I think <laughs> I liked the, um, the hat tip to the OG comics as well. Like with Vision's outfit. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah, I think they, I think they really nailed those little Easter eggs and moments. Like, and the whole Quicksilver thing also aggravated me as well. Cause I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean for the future? And then they were like, oh, it's just some guy from Westview. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, but it's not. It's like, the same actor. <laughs> Don't do this to us. <laughs> because then I remember like I was watching it with my dad and my brother and I was like, wait. So does this mean that he's now two separate characters within the same universe? Like, what does this mean? And they're like, I think he's just a guy. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so I had to, like, put my conspiracy brain to rest. Right. And, um, I mean, right, in so many ways it's like that's kind of that's, – that's on us because it's like that's our meta-analysis mm. of trying to understand what's happening, whereas mm, I'm sure hopefully. my friends who have never watched any of it are perfectly <laughs> comfortable with the idea that it turns out that he is just the dude from next door. <laughs> Oh no! I remember, I don't know if you saw that. Um, there was a TikTok. I'm obsessed with TikTok, but there was this guy explaining it to his girlfriend, and yes. he had like <laughs> written all the things on his mirror. And he's like, "So this, like, we've waited 20 years for like Fox and the the studios to come together." And she was like, "I don't get it." Yeah. <laughs> 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 can you, can you please send me that TikTok? I want to watch that now. Yeah, I'll I'll find it somewhere in my lack somewhere. Um, look, I think um, yeah. Any sort of final thoughts here? Because we'll also need to wrap up the show. But if um, I mean, I guess from all concerned, um, Chris, Emily, uh, you know, what are you like? Actually, one thing that hits me is I actually feel like on the fatigue question. I feel like. Black Widow potentially actually kind of gets some extra enthusiasm because of the year of delay, because it's kind of actually given us all a break from the mm. MCU in that sort of, you know, big movie sense. And I'm kind of more eager to watch it when it lands, whereas if it had arrived kind of, you know, last year, it would have been just that, again, that kind of, constant role of movies and after endgame it sort of felt like we needed a bit of a break because that was like this bookend on the first 10 years it would have just kind of i don't know in some ways it just felt like it might have just then sort of just would have felt oversaturated yeah so i i kind of feel my own enthusiasm for watching the movies reinvigorated and in no small part thanks to just how good this particular series was I I totally agree because I think after Endgame finished, I I didn't feel that same sort of excitement. Um, and it might have been, you know, because we ended up going into lockdown and there weren't movies coming out of the cinemas. But I think I, I kind of lost a little bit of that spark because um, I was like, I was always waiting for like the next Avengers team up and the next, you know, big thing. So it has kind of reinvigorated that excitement a little bit which has been really nice chris any final thoughts yeah i i'd largely agree yeah i'd say that because of wandavision because that marvel has shown yes we can do small scale we can do more intimate personal character moments 
that I I am keen. I I probably wouldn't go as far to say is I'm excited and be a day one ticket purchase to when the the next thing comes out in cinema, but I certainly will be keen to to keep an eye on the MCU and. I think probably the thing I am most keen for is the Loki series. If, if for nothing else, for the wonderfully enigmatic and charismatic Tom Hiddleston. Um, so mm. I'll be looking forward to seeing where that goes. Nice. And look, I've brought Fid back in. He's still been listening. We've, we've taken another five tangents. So I was just curious if you had any uh, final thoughts uh, off the back of some of the extra stuff we've just been talking about too. Um, yeah, I think the, I, I just, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how, um, Marvel move forward with everything. Um, I'm loving this weekly format. I think, um, you know, you guys touched on, um, the fact that it was, uh, a little micro universe, um, that we were able to sort of step into. Um, but and I, I personally disagree with it. I think it was just an awesome way of, uh, getting right back in full on into the universe uh, again, especially after such a long break. And I think that break was great for us all as well because, uh, as you said, you know, some people were getting that Marvel fatigue and this was a great way to get back into it after having a year to sort of detox. Yeah, we're going to wrap up the show there. Thank you so much to Fed and to Emily for stopping by and sharing their thoughts on all things WandaVision. Um, Chris, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you and your stuff if you, uh, you know, when they're wandering around on the internet? Yeah, same same place you can find spaces, coincidentally, on Twitter. Uh, so you can find me at BBBoy, B-I-B-B-Y-B-H-O-Y, and that's where most of my stuff will be. Groovy. I am at Seamus on Twitter. That's the main place you can find me doing stuff that isn't on ByteSide. And of course, ByteSide is at ByteSide on Twitter. Uh, and then at the ByteSide on Instagram. And we're, we're pushing our stories out to Facebook again. So you can follow us there. But yeah, we generally hate Facebook. So we don't actively promote it in the same way that they don't particularly actively promote us because we don't pay them to do so. And we're certainly not expecting a free check of money from Facebook anytime soon either that's all for this week's show thank you all again for joining us and yeah of course if you have your own comments or thoughts and you weren't able to stop by our spaces live while we're recording uh you can hit us up ask at biteside.com as well or of course slide into our dms because our dms are open on the internet that's all catch you again soon and we will see you next time